Hello, everybody. Dr. Lonnie Stewart here from the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. Are you a physical therapy student about to start studying for the National Physical Therapy Examination? Or maybe you're a professor, a program director, or a clinical instructor who teaches DPT students preparing for the NPTE? Either way, we would recommend checking out our sponsor, NPTE Final Frontier, and the community they've built around preparing for and succeeding on the NPTE. That exam and the preparation that goes along with it can be long, tedious, difficult, and stress-inducing, but it doesn't have to be. NPTE Final Frontier has the tactics and resources to help address all of the usual barriers. They even have scholarships to help with NPTE study courses, FSBPT registration fees, and even research opportunities. And if that's not enough, they're even donating to the very first annual HET Podcast Scholarship to be awarded at the end of every year. Go to NPTEFF.com for all of the details and use code HET for 10% off all purchases. Links to both the NPTE Final Frontier and their scholarship options are available in the show notes. And now, let's get ready to learn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field, and I've got with me today a very special guest, Dr. Jana Rogers. Shana, tell us a little bit about your academic background and how it's kind of led you to where you are today. Sure. So I'm a traditionally an outpatient physical therapist. I'm a geriatric clinical specialist. I spend a lot of time prior to getting into student programming and residency programming, treating patients at the VA in Boston. I would say quite a while ago, more than 10 years ago, I became the site coordinator of clinical education at VA Boston. And we have a pretty robust student program for pre-professional clinical students. Um, we partner really closely with our affiliates in the Boston and New England area, and there's quite a few schools sort of in our tight-knit East Coast community. In 2016, um, there was some funding that became available to start a residency program. VA Boston is a spinal cord injury center, and we can really support a curriculum based in neurology. So that was our first stop into residency growth is a neurologic residency program. Um, we went through a site visit and accreditation by ABPTRFE, American Board of Physical Therapy Residency and Fellowship Education, in 2017, and recently got our 10-year reaccreditation for the neurologic program. And then sort of springing from there, there has been growth into a geriatrics residency that was accredited last year. And right now, there's an orthopedic residency that's in candidacy status. So pre and post professionally. I'm overseeing lots of programming with students and residents as a residency program director and the site coordinator of clinical education. That is awesome. Quite the journey there and 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 cool experience too, right? Yeah. Having all these opportunities at your fingertips there in Boston. So let's talk a little bit about this. You said you were a geriatric certified specialist, right? Um, there's kind of two ways to go about that, right? I did not do residency and I'm kind of having to ramp up and study for my, my GCS exam coming up. But people can go to a residency and then usually those culminate in sitting for a certified board specialty exam. So let's start at the very beginning here. You know, what is a residency and, you know, why should people consider it? So residency, at least in our system, is a year-long program. And I think in most programs is about a year. And you are hired as a residence, but also as a licensed physical therapist. In my experience, we your residents come on board, they have benefits, they have some paid time off. They are physical therapists, but they are able to get specialty training as far as clinical skills and decision making, 
Um, they get um, some resources for curriculum and study materials. But most importantly is they get one-on-one -on -one mentorship with trained specialists and experienced specialists in that particular specialty. So if you're coming into our geriatrics program, we have plenty of geriatric clinical specialists on staff. So um, residents get to work very closely with them. Certainly one of the end goals is that you're up and ready to pass that board certification, but you also are pretty well developed as professional holistically. And that's really what we aim for in our VA residency programs is that you are able to have excellent communication skills. You can work with the team really well. You're taking care of the patients at a higher level. So certainly the end game is to pass the tests, but you get a lot of other things that you just don't get, especially as a new grad. Maybe you get some mentorship, but you really don't get as deep as it gets with residency. Yeah. One of the things that I've learned particularly in business, right? Uh, owning my own businesses, paid for mentorship speeds up your timeline just yeah. tremendously. Like you said, some, some places have residency or uh, mentorship rather built into their everyday setting. And that's great. Some places claim they have it and then you get there and start working and they don't have it. Uh, and then others have it where it's specifically part of the goal and then, then, you know, the program. So that's where I think, like you said, the residency makes a lot of sense because it speeds up your timeline towards clinical excellence and, and expertise. Yeah. And so I can definitely see that, that point of view. And I think, you know, realistically, we look at that 10,000 hours number that they just kind of arbitrarily picked out to become an expert or an authority in, in something. It's said that you need to have 10,000 hours worth of practice, right? right? Uh, when in actuality, that's not exactly true. There's been studies that show that if you really have dedicated practice and you practice with intention, you can speed up that timeline um, and really condense it down to, you know, somewhere in the 5,000 to 7,000. And again, expertise, like becoming an expert is all kind of relative, right? It's, it's kind of subjective, what we consider an expert. But if you go through a residency and then you sit for your, you know, certified board exam at the end, you would think that you're well on your way to, you know, becoming a clinical expert. And it sounds like there's some really good points there that you can gain aside from just the knowledge to sit for the exam. Well, I think that's exactly right. You're, you're, you're building on skills, right? And then you're kind of setting your path. Even at the end of a residency year, nobody's expecting you to be an expert. I've been a physical therapist for a long time. I don't expect residents to be at the level of where I am, but they have a path. They have changed their thought process. They're reflecting. They are really working on communication skills. They are thinking outside of the box and that carries them. And that I think is, in my opinion, more important than the test, more important yeah. than, I, well, maybe not more important than the pay raise that comes with the test, but maybe, <laughs> maybe more important than just just taking a test and, and on paper seeing you're a clinical specialist. Yeah. Two interesting points there that I wanted to talk about. One, you said they're reflecting. And I think that people do not realize the importance of reflection and how literally there's studies that have shown that the difference between a novice and an expert is reflection, right? Mm -hmm. One of the huge differences is the ability to sit there and reflect and go back over our day, over our patients, over our practices, over our treatment techniques and what worked, what didn't, how can I get better next time? Once you start to realize that you have to do that, 
it's like the light bulb moment goes off, right? I was, you, you hear about people who have been practicing for 10 years or so, right? And it's like, well, they haven't really changed what they do. They're doing the same thing for mm -hmm. 10 years. So have they really practiced for 10 years or have they just practiced for one year and repeated it 10 times the same way, right? So we, we lack that growth and we lack that, you know, ability to self-reflect and get better. The other thing I want to talk about it too is a, an interesting point you brought up there and you said, you know, the bump with pay uh, with the certified specialty type exam, right? So like one, you're going to get a bump in pay naturally because you're not in the residency anymore. So now you're getting paid as a full-time yeah. clinician. But two, the, the VA actually gives credit towards payment with regards to becoming a certified specialist, don't they? So it depends. Yes. The short answer is it, it allows you to be able to, oh boy, this is a lot of government talk that I have to, <laughs> to think about for a second. Yes. So you're able to apply for a job that is a higher, uh, higher on the ladder. Sure. Sure. Because that, so, that, that's not everywhere, right? That's not even a possibility in some places. Like, you, you know, just because you have your certified, you know, specialist behind your name doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a pay increase, but at least the VA has the opportunity you know, to, to really lean into that a little bit. Yeah. So we have seen, and, it, and it's not certainly like there's other things that when you are, when you're being looked at as a clinical specialist, you know, there's other things that people are looking for in the hiring process, but certainly higher level clinical skills might be in a job description and that might be attached to board certified clinical specialists. And then you are able to apply for a higher level job. One thing I wanted to circle back on before we forget is the reflection piece, because I also wanted to add when you said you're doing the same year 10 times, in essence, the residency is doing a lot for our faculty as well as far as reflection goes. Yeah. And I just want to make sure that it's so clear that even if you are not the resident, this residency, if you're faculty, if you're around residency, residency really pushes you as a physical therapist to think deeper and be more reflective. And I don't think that is something that always comes out of everyday work. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, now being on the academia side of things, right, I'm learning every day from my students, even like, yeah, huh, exactly. I need to teach that better because that did not land, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so now I'm having to go back and reflect on these things I've just known for years and just yeah. thought I could like teach people that I can't really teach it. I need to figure out a better way to come at it, you know? And, and so I think it's, you know, looking from the mentor side of things. Exactly. Once you become a certified specialist, now you can go back and give back to the profession, right? Give back to, to the next generation, right? And grow yourself because you're having to reevaluate and really reflect on how you're teaching things and how you're, you know, getting the information to stick. So mm -hmm. I think it's beneficial, you know, from the student side of things for sure and the resident side of things, but also maybe from the mentor side of things too. So even the clinical specialists are bettering their clinical specialty as they go sure. to teach. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about the structure of the VA now. It sounds like there's been a lot of expansion then over the last couple of years with the residencies and, and what's available. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in the world of residency inside the VA. Sure. So nationally, just prior to the pandemic, there was funding allocated for residency expansion. So residency had been in the VA for, for a long time, but... Just prior to the pandemic, there was plenty of opportunity for nationally programs to apply to start up new programs within the VA system. Many, many, many programs have been approved and gone through accreditation process, and some are still going through that accreditation process. 
if you look on RFPTCAS or on our, on the ABPT RFE website, you will see many, many, many VA programs and specialties such as acute care has, there's a new one in, I believe in Tampa this year, cardiopulmonary, geriatrics, neuro, orthopedics. Um, so lots of growth VA nationally. Um, lots of positions. And we did talk a little bit about financial compensation before my poor residents that are with us now. Just starting next year, there will be a significant pay increase for residency, um, which is, I think, maybe makes new grads or even people who have been in the practice for a little while uh, might entice them a little bit more. So that's that's kind of nice to have that sort of financial support to get more residents coming into our programs. And now for a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, Varela Financial. If you're a physical therapist and you have student loan debt, you got to talk to these guys. What makes them unique is that they view financial planning like running hurdles on a track. And for PTs, the first hurdle many of us run into is student loan debt. Varela Financial will help you get over that hurdle. They not only take the time to explain to you which plans you individually qualify for and how those plans work, but they also take the time to show you what your individual case looks like mapped out within each option. So if you're looking for help on your student loan debt or any area of personal finances, we recommend working with them. I use Varela Financial personally, and they were able to help me lower my student loan repayment from about $1,800 a month down to about $135 per month simply by finding the right repayment plan that best fit me, my family, and our life goals. You can check them out at varelafinancial.com. Link is in the show notes if you need it for reference, and tell them the HET podcast crew sent you. And now back to the show. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So I want to give a little plug and just, you know, for everybody listening, I am not employed by the VA, never have been. Okay. I just want to give you my two cents on it. And I tell a lot of my students that had I to do things all over again, the VA is where I would have probably tried to start out. And here, here's my reasoning. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but this is how I feel and what my thought process was. One you, d- you just have to have a license in any state. doesn't matter which state. Let's say I'm licensed in Texas, which I am. I could practice in North Carolina. I could practice in New York. I could practice in a VA in South Carolina, in California. You just need one state license and you're able to practice in all 50 states uh, at a VA. Second, you're employed by the government. So you have government benefits. There's a pension, a government pension when you retire, which pensions are don't, don't exist anymore. Those are getting phased out left and right. So, you know, that's pretty neat. You get to 20 years with a government agency and you can retire, you know, pretty nicely spent, right? The other thing too is the VA has a lot of autonomy. You can do imaging. You can do, uh, you know, certain prescriptions and things, right? It, it feels like the VA has been doing things very well for many, many years. And so they've given them more autonomy, uh, you know, in their physical therapists. And I think that that's a great direction that we're heading uh, state by state. We're working on a lot of these little things. But in the meantime, the VA is doing a very good job of giving their their clinicians autonomy, you know. And then last but not least, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but it, it does qualify for the public service loan forgiveness plan. So that's that right. 10 years. So you worked there for 10 years and now all of a sudden you're the rest of your student loans are forgiven. And again. It's going to be different for everybody, right? Everybody's situation and plan is going to be completely different. If that's the direction you want to go and you want to head, I think the VA is a great place to to consider employment and, and residency eventually, because 
again, it just has a lot of really good perks to it. And at the end of the day, the biggest takeaway for me was that you're helping back. You're helping the people that go out there and do above and beyond to, to serve our, our country. And I think it's a great way to give back to a community that really is more deserving than, than any other community I can think of. So again, not employed by the VA. They don't pay me to say any of that. Uh, that's just my two cents on it. That's the, the input that I give when my students ask, you know, about career paths. So having said that, uh, overall, how has your experience been? How, you know, what, what kind of benefits and perks do you enjoy so much about uh, working in the VA? So I would say, first of all, that I love working with veterans. I love that I have veterans for their entirety of their life, which is really nice. You get to know your community. You see, you see them multiple times in different settings and you do have a relationship. So I feel like that is the part that I really like, especially as a geriatric clinical specialist. You know, it, it is really nice because you can support these people forever. Whatever they need, you can pretty much justify. You can get that for them, whatever they need for seeing in home safely. And I think that is a huge plus of being at the VA. I also love that it's a teaching hospital and, and there's yes. learners all around all the time. Um, I love that um, the veterans are very comfortable with learners being around all the time. It's a nice relationship between, you know, having the ability to teach with the veterans getting still excellent care. Um, so those are, that's a big perk for me. And that's the path I took. I would say some other things that are a benefit is that there's a lot of practice settings you can be involved in. In just in Boston, we have three major campuses. We have PT in the emergency department. We have PT going into primary care. We have PT and involved in the interprofessional pain clinic. We have subacute rehab. We have spinal cord injury rehab. We have so many practice settings. And the opportunities to be able to try new things, especially in residency. So residencies give you a little taste of what's there to offer, I think is a huge plus, especially in those early years when you're trying to figure out or if you've been there for a while and you want to try something new. There's been lots of support for, for new program development, I would say, in the last few years, which has been really excellent. You feel like you're part of something that is really at the forefront of, of physical therapy and what there is to offer. And, you know, you have a great patient population and you have flexibility in that you can treat all types of people for a long period of time and you get federal holidays off and that, that goes a long way too. Yeah. Uh, and research too. They're doing a ton of research coming yeah. out of the VA too, if you're into that. I saw that uh, when I was a first year student on my first clinical rotation, I did a a short one, just like a four or five week intro type clinical uh, rotation at the VA in Memphis. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I, it, it was considered to be inpatient and or acute care, but I did not know it was half, half of the time it was wound care. So mm -hmm. talk about getting thrown into a uh, whirlwind on day one. It's like, Hey, welcome. Here's our gym. And now we're going to go do some wounds. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? And my, my therapist, my CI at the time, I didn't realize this, but she spent half the time in the outpatient gym and half the time doing wound care. Then there was another therapist that split time doing acute care and he also did wound care. So they split the wound care and both of them loved it. I mean, they were all in and that's why they split it because they needed an outpatient, they needed an inpatient, but they also needed wound care. And they both loved it, wanted to do it. So they split the time between them and, and it worked. Again, it was a great experience. I didn't no, I was going to wound care. I wasn't like, sign me up. Let's do it. I can't wait. 
but I learned a lot, right? And and because of that, that eventually led to me being able to teach a little bit of intake as as I, you know, joined academia. So that was neat too, because and again, I worked in skilled nursing facilities, I worked in home health. And so I've seen a lot of wounds, but most of the time the, the wound care nurse was the specialist that handled it and I just helped out as needed. Uh, occasionally I'd have to maybe help, you know, debris something or triage something if I was, you know, in home health and they weren't available. But it's nice knowing, you know, that there is those opportunities out there and that there is so many different settings and so many possibilities. It literally feels like the world is your oyster. You could go any direction in the VA. And if, you know, you're in the VA system and you're working in a setting or doing something and you want to transfer to a different location or a different setting, those options are available to you. So it's, it seems like it's, it's really a, a great, a great place to really get a lot of good experience, both in learning and in treating. So let me ask you this then. There's been a bunch of expansion as of late. Where do you see things heading with regards to residency in the VA? And what would you like to see ideally in the future coming down the pipe? Well, the federal section is has started just this year at CSM. There was a meeting for a residency fellowship SIG, um, which is great. I think that has really been a nice way um, with the leadership nationally to connect individual programs with a bigger group. So I think that part is is great. I think the Columbia VA had a like um education day where residents were presenting to residents across the country. I would love to see more things like this happening, more unification with our programs across the country, more communication with our residents in different programs. And really, I want to see our residents come back and work with us. And that's that's really we trained them we supported them. I want to. I want to see them all come back and work with us anywhere in the VA system, wherever works for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I think uh, you know. Again, great experience, and then I think it's really great funnel to to just start working at the VA uh, if that's you know a path that you so choose. So, well, awesome. Jane, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. We ask all of our guests this one final question, and that question is. If you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change? That's a hard question. That's, um, that's why we ask it. I know. I, I, I guess on my side, for, for if I'm talking about residency program and recruitment, I would really like for academic facilities to talk about the benefits of residency outside specialty practice and really understanding how you can grow as a whole person. Um, and help find your identity as a physical therapist rather than being concerned about fast-tracking the exam. That would be my um, two cents there. I think there's just so much more to get out of residency, and I hope that is reflected in the programs, especially in VA Boston. We really push for um, developing the, the resident as a whole and growing and really celebrating that growth along the way. It's okay if you fail. It's okay if you didn't do well on this exam, it's fine as long as you are showing growth over time. And we really celebrate that at the end of graduation. So really being okay with the journey of growing as a physical therapist over a year rather than fast tracking a test. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, the the big takeaway for me there is like, yeah, there there is more than one ways to skin a cat, so to speak, right? You can do a residency, then sit for the exam, or you can study, you know, do the hours and then study for the exam on your own, like I'm doing, right? And and studying and prepping for the test is definitely making me a better 
teacher. And I think, you know, a better clinician as well, just to be more knowledgeable, but it definitely, I don't have the mentorship, right? I don't have the, the growth, the personal growth of, you know, networking with people and asking and learning things from people directly. You know, for me, I have to kind of do it on my own or, or seek it, right? Seek it out. Uh, luckily, I'm far enough in my career now that I, I have that network and I can go to those people, uh, you know, especially in the world of geriatrics, which is kind of my specialty. So like, there's definitely several ways to go, but I think, like you said, it's a, it's a more holistic approach. Mm -hmm. That's not just knowledge for an exam. It's becoming, you know, a better clinician, having better hands-on skills more than likely. Right. And then kind of looking at the other aspects of personal growth and development, right. Setting a plan, figuring out, you know, and navigating the ins and outs of, of your career, figuring out your, your knowledge gaps and where you may be lacking so that you can lean into it and get better. Right becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable so that you can go into situations and just be bolder and braver and try things and get better, right? Learn and fail and right. then get back up again and learn from that failure and then keep yeah. going and keep growing, and getting better. So I like that take. I got to be honest with you. For someone who didn't have an answer, it's a pretty solid answer. <laughs> I would add to just challenging your personal biases too. I think that comes a lot with residents and even residents with some experience being open to, to getting new perspectives and hearing it all and then decide what works for you. Yeah. And again, I think it's important that programs explain residencies and fellowships. Like I think, you know, I have students who graduate not even knowing that's an option, right? And I don't think me personally, I try not to allow that to happen anymore because I can refer them to episodes like this, right? I can go say, hey, go to my library, check out episode this and episode that two differing views, and then you make your decision and think what's right for you and what direction you want to head, right? So uh, at least I hope that I'm able to bring awareness now, right? But I, I think we do need that in, in the programs because we focus and get so tunnel visioned on passing the exams and passing their practicals and then going out on clinicals and then taking the board exam, right? It's very tunnel vision. And I think that's led to a couple of, of problems, both with financial literacy and student loans and how they're going to pay back and what they, how they get paid. Right. Um, but then also what their options are after they graduate, you know, like if we don't have some sort of career development plan in mind, right. We don't have to sell them on residency or fellowship. They just have to, at the very least, be aware that this exists. Um, and not everybody needs to go to residency or fellowship. Some people may just want to be generalists and be the best generalist they can their whole life. And that's fine too. But if you really do want to specialize, if you want to push yourself, if you want to get to that next level, I think it's a, it's a great option. So bringing awareness is, is definitely uh, on my agenda for the rest of my career. So I appreciate that. And like I said, glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much again Thank for you your time. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Oh, and where can people reach out to you and find you if they have any follow-up sure. questions or, uh, or want to learn more about the VA programs? Uh, you can reach me probably by email. It's the easiest. It's my name, J-A-Y-N-A dot Rogers, R-O-G-E-R-S at VA dot gov. Um, that's probably the easiest place to find me. Great. And then we'll drop that link in the show notes so people can email you and find you easily. Gina, thank you so much. We appreciate thank you. Thank you. Have a nice day. Well. I hope that episode was entertaining as much as it was informational and educational. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, we ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. And please share out the episodes to those who you feel may be able to benefit from them. We also urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at HET Podcast, 
and let us know what topics or experts you would like to hear from in future episodes. And just as a reminder, none of the information on today's show should be considered medical advice. It's simply infotainment or edutainment to help educate our audience. For medical advice, we always advise you to reach out to your preferred medical professionals, and we'll see you on the next show.